0: And Welcome to another episode of Not This, the podcast that seeks to deconstruct fear-based belief patterns and systems with curiosity and love. I am your host, Tina Marie Olson, and today's episode is a deeper dive into your personal GPS, and it's about your intuition specifically. So the reason I wanted to talk about this even more today and probably quite a bit over time, is to me, our intuition is sacred. It's our guide. And it's the only thing in the world that only we know of, only we can hear, only we can understand. And it takes practice. It's a muscle. It's our birthright. It's a gift of grace. It's abundant. It's loving. And also, because most of us haven't been encouraged to listen to our intuitions for most of our lives, it does take practice. It takes belief. It takes leaps of faith, maybe even over and over again, to really, really trust ourselves and to encourage the people that we love to trust themselves so that we can all live the hugely... Abundant, wildly powerful lives that c- we came here to live. So I love you and I hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs> Welcome to your personal GPS part two. I am so excited to talk about this topic again because. It truly feels like everything. And so before we dive into my, I find it a bit comical that I have an outline as if as if this is going to somehow become linear. <laughs> we'll see. I'll likely touch upon all the points that are in my outline. But the first thing that I want to talk about is what? what even is our intuition? Like on a both practical and theoretical basis, like where does our intuition even come from? Because if our brains can't understand what our intuition is, then why would our brain start to trust it? And I'm living from a place where I don't want to give my brain the keys to be the driver of this car called Tina, my, my brain, my, I'll call it my thinking mind. The brain is more complex than I understand, but my thinking mind is in the backseat somewhere. My heart and soul are, an, are driver and shotgun. And also I feel like it's super important to keep all of our parts of self integrated as we continue to journey through exploration so what I mean by that is it's almost like we're in conversation with ourselves so if my brain or my thinking mind excuse me doesn't understand why the keys are being turned over to my intuition then that would be leaving a part of myself behind hope that made sense so my belief about what our intuition is, is the connection, the messaging system, the open phone line between ourselves and our physical body, the person that you know as you with a name and certain color hair or whatever physical descriptors you would use for your human self and the part of you that I refer to as soul you might call higher self the part of you that is an energy that is larger than just what is in the human body and having the physical experience and obviously The human self is a part of the soul or the higher self or whatever. I like to think of it just, we can only think about this stuff in kind of metaphor and analogy. We can't understand it literally because we're talking about the unseen and we're talking about beliefs. But I like to think about it as like a certain percentage (laughs) of my soul is like running through, is like occupying my physical body and like the rest of me fully connected still, but is open and a part of the larger expanse and connected to everyone and everything else. One of the experiences that I had that led me to feeling this way or maybe confirmed my sense around this is when my dad passed away or transitioned out of his physical body into his purely his soul self or spirit self. I was driving back to California from Chicago, takes four days, and I had started the journey while he was in hospice, but I hadn't made it back in time. And as I was driving across Wyoming, you know, like big sky country, there's a reason they call it that. He's like, you look across just most enormous expanse. I could feel my dad's Spirit, his energy, his his self, his complete self, and I remember saying out loud to my cousin, who actually is going to be on the podcast soon, Christopher. I remember saying to him one of the hardest things for me in this in that moment, right, um, for me to get my head around is how huge my dad's energy is now. It was such a different feeling tuning into my dad's energy when he was 100% spirit as compared to when he was human (laughs) and spirit. So, you know, again, this is one of these things that's, extremely personal how we perceive this stuff and I think it definitely asks of us to trust our personal experience but that's exactly what this episode is all about it's your own intuition so I can give you some pointers of some of the experiences that have led me to understand things in a certain way but those pointers are literally only meant to like if I were tossing clothes over a dressing room door and be like, do you like this? Does this fit? What about this one? To maybe try on and maybe not. I mean, some of the clothes flying over the door, you'd be like, what the hell did you just fling at me? No, that's awful. <laughs> so some things you won't even try on, of course, right? Or you'd look at the size and be like, are you kidding me? This is for like somebody who's half my size or twice my size or something. But in this experience, it is all an experiment. It's all a learning. It's all an investigation because we came into human life forgetting on purpose. That leads me right back to talking about earth school. Why would we forget on purpose? And why would there be so many voices And so many structures and systems that continue propagating our forgetting. We could go into power structures and dynamics and theories and conspiracy theories. And a lot of times where that leaves us is feeling disempowered to power structures that feel a lot bigger than anything that we could make a positive impact on. But if we flip that script and go back to, there's the great story about the kid, and forgive me, I don't know where this comes from, about the kid who tosses the starfish back into the water. They're on the beach and he's tossing one at a time and there's like thousands and supposedly an old man comes up to him and says why are you bothering there's no way you could get all these starfish back into the ocean and the kid says yes but it matters to this one it also reminds me of when we went from using plastic bags at the grocery store which was like norm right and now I'm like offended when I even have the option to get a plastic bag let alone obviously most of us, at least pre-COVID, were bringing our own bags. Why do we do that? Because we've gotten a collective understanding that each and every one of us contributing to using fewer plastic bags is better for our environment and that it collectively it does make a difference. So while each of us may or may not feel I don't want to take away if you feel like you can entirely solve a systemic problem on your own or like be be the catalyst to do that, fan-freaking-tastic. And if that lights you up, um, I have a sense that someone listening just got lit up about that, then that's part of your sole purpose. Do it. Go for it. But for those of us who can tune into those energies of these power dynamics that we're all a part of and feel disempowered or helpless around it, the huge reminder here is, every single time we choose our own intuition, every single time we make a choice from love, we are appreciably making an impact and making a difference, period. So back to our intuition and why so much forgetting. I think those two things like that plug of every time we choose our intuition and love and why would we have chosen forgetting like that's a plug right in a socket like those two things are inextricably intertwined because here on earth the way we learn our own empowerment, our resiliency, the value of patience, compassion, the place, the wellspring of joy deep, deep, deep within us that is can be sustained no matter what the external emotions are. It reminds me of the Pema Shodron quote, you are the sky, everything else is the weather. You'll probably hear me quote that like on every other episode. (laughs) Because, like, I can't hear that enough times, right? This grand forgetting that we do when we come here and the fear that takes us over and the fear that causes people to make decisions that are harmful to themselves and others is the curriculum. Because when we can start to see that clearly within ourselves and make different choices just feel into the energetic impact that has on that positive ripple effect every single time we make a choice out of love or fear there's a ripple effect so think about what we do when all of us are making choices from love and I can feel I can sense that like cringy feeling of like yeah but what about everybody else like that that desire for lack of better term to police others Um, and that's super present right now during COVID like and I notice it in myself I walk in the grocery store I went into Whole Foods the other day they have a very specific policy that everybody in the store must be wearing a mask so much so that a nice worker at the front had like girl tongs and (laughs) a box of disposable masks and was there to hand them to anybody who might not have a mask walking in and yet I find myself halfway through the store and I look up and there's a woman just blase looking around no mask on no mask in her hand and I'm like what? How did she even get in here? (laughs) Did she escape in the back door just to avoid wearing a mask? (laughs) Which, as an aside, can I just tell you something that I find to be extremely funny? I've seen so many like memes about, or things traveling around about people having an issue about masks. (laughs) And the government telling them what to do. And yet... We wear pants. <laughs> Can you just like humor me for a moment here? Like I don't know about you, but I'm not entirely certain that if the government told me I didn't have to wear pants that I would be wearing pants. It's probably why I have so many dresses. <laughs> Oh, and I'm sending you love if any of that frustrates you, if you've been in some major mask controversies and sending you so much love and a little more laughter around it. This is, it's scary for human beings to be presented with the fact that we don't know. We don't know a hell of a lot about this virus and this pandemic And therefore, we don't know collectively what to do or what not to do. And that can be a very, very, very scary thing. And two things. Number one, most of the time we don't know anyway. We just have told ourselves that we know. Number two... Intuition. So, how do we navigate an entire life now of not knowing what feels, quote, right or wrong? Intuition. It's our, I'm calling it our personal GPS for a reason. It's what's going to navigate you through. From a place of love and centeredness and balance and calm with even some, with a heavy dose of joy as the base layer, there's nobody else for probably a while who's going to be able to tell you what's best for you. And again, I feel like that's always been true, but we had enough certainty in the external world that we were able to ignore that fact. Well, now that it's right in front of our faces, what a huge opportunity collectively for us to take our personal power back through intuition. And our power is not power over others, our power is our love, our precious life force energy following our instincts, following our bliss, following our joy, following what feels like fun, following what feels like home. That's our power. When we're living in that place, we're pretty unshakable. We have a lot of room for compassion for others and ourselves. And life is so much more open, expansive, creative, fun, because we're not spending so much of our precious life force energy combating the fear. And a lot of times combating the fear looks like a bunch of internal monologue that's going on in the brain or in the headspace. I'll get that. I'll get that at some point. It's going on in the headspace, and it's not even spoken or even conscious. It's like we're aware that these things, these parts are arguing with each other in a way, but we're also just kind of like, yeah, yeah. that's no way to live. How many of us have just tolerated that because it's what's there? And then when you ask others, they'll confirm that it's also there for them. And so there, there's like maybe there's like a shoulder shrug of like, oh, well, this is just what it's like. If you even notice that there's multiple voices in your headspace that are saying different things to each other all the time and, and kind of burning your energy. A lot of people don't notice or don't admit or maybe classify themselves as crazy. You're not crazy one clue into if you may have some of this going on, again, no shame, everybody does until you start doing work around it, is if you're somebody who says like, I can't meditate or meditation's not for me because there's a belief that meditation is a practice of quieting the mind, which maybe eventually, um, The mind is a bit quieter after meditating for a while. But it's not where we start. And it's not why we do it per se. And that's probably a whole nother topic for another day. But I guess I would just end that with. You don't have to suffer at the affect arguments in your head. You get to... Have calmness. You get to have peace. And a lot of this goes back to your intuition. Because if you trust that in every moment you're going to follow your intuition, or in every moment where there's a big decision, I'll even leave it there because there's plenty of moments in life where we're just in getting to do the thing, getting to cook, getting to run, getting to talk to the person who we're talking to, or whatever. But if we know our intuition is guiding us, then we're golden. So where did our intuition go? By the way, the last thing I'll say is our intuition generally lives in our bodies. And on the last episode, the personal GPS part one. Um, so I should say two episodes ago. Talked about gut feelings. Talked about listening to your heart. Your body, your body doesn't lie. And for most of us, it's the reason why we ended up living in our heads so much is because there was a point in time or many, 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 more likely many, many, many kind of death by paper cuts kind of thing, many, many, many points in time where your body said something that you felt like you couldn't do at the time. So it might even be something as simple as you're in second grade class you really need to pee. It's the middle of a test. It's a timed test. You know, you can't get up and pee right now. You're telling your you're telling your bladder to basically shut up and stop giving you signals. I need to concentrate on my test until I finish. I mean, that seems super minor. And, you know, is that one incident going to be enough for you to live in your head instead of listening to your body from there forward? Very unlikely, right? But think about even something that small all the way to, you know, obviously really severe situations of being flat out blatantly told that what you were feeling was not okay. Maybe somebody yelled at you or hit you. There's many, many reasons. As a matter of fact, the actual last episode with Janet Raftis, she talked about her experience of being raped and then numbing through alcohol and drugs and then healing. And the healing being coming back to her body and her body's wisdom and the fact that it's safe to be in her body after something so traumatic. So whether your experience has been a number of really small things that you can't even identify what they were that's led you to be in your head, or whether it's a big thing or a couple big things. And I'm saying big and small just for use of language, but the reality is that things are big or small based on how you experienced them, not any sort of external label about it. Most of us end up leaving our bodies as the source of wisdom and going into our heads and then double down on that because our society is completely based on rational explanation of things, logic. How do I communicate to you that my intuition, if you are not somebody who is believing your intuition strongly and I'm not super confident in it how do I then communicate to you that my intuition just says something's a bad idea or that I don't want to do it oftentimes instead we come up we try to come up with a logical or rational explanation that the other person might understand as to why we aren't feeling like we want to do something and then depending on the situation like that person might argue with your rationality if they really want you to do the thing and then there you are in some sort of a head-to-head debate. It doesn't make any sense, right? Like we need to trust our own intuition and we need to trust others' intuition for themselves, not their intuition for you. If we honor and respect and trust our own intuition and everybody's doing that, imagine the positive ripple effects that could transpire. Because our intuition, I believe, is the voice of our soul, and it's the one that's telling us, yes, that way. No, not that way. Yes, that's the next thing we chose to learn or experience, or no, you've already been down that road. You don't need to go down that road again. And of course, these things don't come necessarily in that language, although they might. They might come in sensations. They might come in, my favorite kind of like most basic way to express it would be feeling of expansiveness in the body, feeling of openness, the shoulders naturally coming open and down, the heart center coming forward, the chin maybe going up a little bit, like literally kind of like we open like blossom to things, or there's something in us that feels constrictive, contractive, our shoulders kind of come in, our heart center, our belly kind of sinks in, we kind of go over like a turtle would. That's a really good indicator. The other really good indicator is like some of you might feel like all of your energy is leaving your body, not like like you could go take an immediate nap versus feeling like, oh my God, that sounds like so much fun. And you just Energy right away. And notice then when you feel that, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun and the energy. Is there a voice in the head that comes screaming in right after that's like, oh, things couldn't be that good or starts having doubts? That's just your head trying to protect you, but protection is based on fear and past experience. Your head doesn't know where your soul's taking you. We can bring our heads along, but our heads are not the translators of our soul's energy. So in my world, my head's also not the keeper of the keys anymore. So where did our intuition go? Why, why hasn't it just always been taught and relayed from generation to generation from leaders of religions or or political parties or governments or um, workplaces? Why has it not always been the case or still isn't the case that we're told to listen to our intuition? I don't know the answer, (laughs) of course. But what I can give you some pointers around um, or some clues would be... Back in my political theory studies, when we looked at modernity, which is the the air we're breathing right now in the US, I won't go so far as to say I understand other countries' governments, but it's basically this agreement that we have certain rights in order to be a part of this collective and that other rights are given up in order to be a part of the collective. So easy example, personal property. A right that we have around it is to have personal property, to have, to, to purchase a home or a car or whatever and then a right that is taken away would be to take somebody else's personal property or to enter their property without their permission, right? So we have this kind of social contract where there are certain things that are okay and there are certain things that aren't okay, hence stopping at red lights, et cetera, et cetera. And in ancient times, in order to keep people in line with behaving how society wanted them to behave, humans used to do public executions. People would come watch and someone would get stoned to death or hung on a cross. And that was a reminder, it was a public display of what happens when you don't follow the rules. And it was also a reminder, both very overt and also kind of deeply subtle in some ways as well, that you better stay in line. And I guess the only subtlety would come from like, maybe no one was saying to you, that would be you. But you could intimate that pretty damn easily, that if you did something that was out of line, they would have no problem killing you in the middle of the town square, just like they did with this other person that just, that it just happened. Okay, some of you might even be familiar with that, with the Jesus story. So then, as time progressed, that became considered kind of barbaric or unacceptable to us. We don't want to be seeing people being pulled apart by horses or whatever the hell the really cruel and disgusting. So what we have instead is a method where one could watch the many. So instead of the many coming to the town square to watch the one who didn't obey be killed, we have, for example, at a prison, a guard would be able to see many jail cells or people's behavior on the yard, and would be able to police from that angle, would be able to watch what's going on with people. Okay, so let's take it out of a building. Let's take it on to, to streets. You have police officers. So part of the reason, possibly, that you obey the speed limit on an open highway or road where there's not a lot of other people around. Maybe let's say there's not a lot of traffic right now. Why aren't you driving 110? Well, there could be a cop and I could get pulled over. So I'm going to obey regardless of whether or not I actively see the presence of a police officer. Okay, so that's what's embedded in our psyches right now as a part of modernity. But let's take it a step further, which is because we don't know when we're being watched, we learn from a very early age to watch ourselves. There is always the possibility that the teacher, the parent, the police officer, etc, et etc, cetera, etc, cetera, et cetera, could be watching us in that moment. and therefore, we, watch ourselves we obey we follow the rules we put on pants (laughs) so we can stay in line and we don't receive the punishment that the people who aren't staying in line receive okay so what does this have to do with your intuition well Are you going to listen more to this self-watch entity that is in your head, that is needing to learn the rules, because the rules keep changing, and that's not necessarily, I don't even necessarily mean maliciously, that could be, okay, In one person's classroom, these are the rules, and in the next person's classroom, those are the rules. It could be different stages and phases of life the rules change, and some of those are socially and culturally with your friends, and some of them are with the teachers or what's expected of you, or you then go get a driver's license, and there's all those rules to learn, and of course there's your parents' and family's rules all along. But most Most of these places don't have, some of them do, an explicit list of rules. Some of, a lot of them we need to learn by uh, observing. So we spend a lot of our energy observing the direct, the subtle rules, and also the obvious rules. The ones that are made conscious or that are talked about directly, and then the ones that are unconscious, and the ones that you kind of pick up on. Oh, I see what's going on here. They don't do things like we do. If I want to stay at this friend's house for dinner, I better comply with what seems like their rules. Or even social norms. You don't even need to use the word rules. But you can see how this way of being takes our power away from our intuition and what we're feeling within ourselves and puts it in the hands of being compliant within the environment that we're in is more important than listening to what ourselves are truly desiring. And I'm not making a value judgment on... Whether or not it's a good idea to have rules or to watch yourself and try to comply or anything like that, that is your own personal discernment. However, when it is 100% unconscious, unspoken of, it's just acting upon you, then you aren't really a you, (laughs) You are a creation of all of these circumstances that you've been in, that you've molded yourself to. And the actual you has gotten squeezed into some kind of a box pretty tightly. And that, I believe, is what gives us a ton of anxiety, fear of new rules, That might sound familiar right now if we're looking at the collective and a feeling like we're not able to navigate. If the game, if the rules of the game change, we don't have a ton of confidence that we can navigate well. Okay, so where does that leave us? What if instead of only being that thing, that molded conditioned being who comes in and out of situations and does a really good job as a chameleon, what if we flip the script and a large majority of the time, maybe even all the time, you are just you, and because you're conscious of other people's rules, expectations, needs, wants, desires you're able to meet those consciously, directly, lovingly and always find common ground or understand what structures just simply aren't for you. I'm not going to walk into a church that has a certain set of rules and values that are really not aligned with where i'm currently at and demand that they meet my true self in its entirety no i'm gonna understand that's just not for me right i think the biggest threat to the transition of compliance to standing In your light, your truth, your beingness of who you are and listening to your intuition about who you know yourself to be and how you want to be in the world and what you value. I feel like the biggest threat is, well, where does that leave all of the external structures around me? Where does that leave all these things that I have contorted or conformed into fitting into? And what I would say is trust yourself enough to know that you can navigate that with discernment and love. You don't need rules. You don't need right and wrong. You need discernment. Discernment is so beautiful. It's complex. It's deep. It's got character and flavor. It's interesting. It leaves room for multiple perspectives. It leaves room for creativity. I mean, one of the biggest things I think that comes out of this when people are really living in their authentic selves, following their intuition, and you have multiple people in a scenario doing that, then your conversations aren't a battle anymore about who's right or wrong or exactly the one way that things could pan out and then you either disagree or agree with it all of a sudden you're finding again like this synergistic harmony where the intersection of the aspects of yourself that are coming to play with this group or this other person or whatever you're able to co-create something that's really, really beautiful because you're being guided by a force in your your soul, your higher self, that is able to see so much more expansiveness and so much more clearly than what we, with simply our human senses, is able to see. One of my favorite analogies is um, the offensive coordinator on a football team and the quarterback. So the quarterback is us. It's our human selves. It's the one on the field. It's the one having to run around, trying not to get tackled, trying to make a play, trying to throw the ball to a wide receiver or you know, find a way to hand off to the running back and so the quarterback is in the action, right? And there's and it's all of it. The action there's the other team that has a vested interest in trying to tackle you. Um, So I would call that fear. (laughs) Can be that vested interest that might, And, and fear's not after you, but fear is the contrast. Fear is the other team that we came to play with here on earth so that we could continue to have confidence in the plays that we're making, choosing love over and over and over again. And then you've got the offensive coordinator in the booth way above the field with binoculars who can see the whole thing playing out and has a microphone into your helmet giving you the next play, giving you advice, whatever that is, right? So think about your soul, your higher self, as having that higher perspective. I mean, I think that's why they call it a higher self is it's literally just easier to envision the energy of something with a vantage point that's wider, broader, higher, higher vibration, up there looking down on you fondly, loving you every step of the way, and helping you navigate the situation. So how do we get back to the place of letting that offensive coordinator talk to us through the helmet? (laughs) and really feel comfortable and confident in the messages that we're receiving and the discernment between what is fear and old patterns and what is communication from your higher self. Practice, practice, practice. You know, yoga is called a practice for a reason. You show up to the mat, to the practice, to the ways of being that are valued in the eight limbs of yoga as a means to practice bringing more of those energies and ways of being into your daily life. Same with meditation. It's called a practice for a reason. We don't do it once. There's not a light switch to flip. It's about a journey. And 100% the same thing goes for realigning ourselves with our intuition. And so let's do some right now. If you are driving or walking or running as you listen to this, then maybe you can do this portion with us passively. Just listen and kind of experience and then if you're so compelled, come back to it later. But if you are seated or laying down and you want to close your eyes, then let's do this. Start allowing your breath to deepen into your body, allowing the inhales and exhales to become slower, more elongated. allowing the energy that may have been rattling around in your headspace to settle back into your body. You are safe, you are loved. And I'm just gonna do some really simple things for you to listen to your body's response. So first, let's try some foods. And just notice how your body reacts to me saying these different things. A banana. Chocolate. Tomato soup. Raspberries, a piece of toast, an egg, guacamole. Pay attention to what you noticed, what you observed. Maybe some of what you noticed is true for you in this moment, like you realized you're hungry for a banana? Or maybe your physical response was what's true for you most of the time, or all the time, like a contracted response to one of those foods that you might have an allergy to. Let's try with some other things. Why don't we go places? Lake Tahoe pine trees, and snow, and mountain trails to hike. What about Kauai, beaches, surfing, or snorkeling, boat rides? Enjoying nature, out on a condo balcony with the tropical breeze blowing. New York City, traffic, hustle and bustle, stores to see, Broadway shows lit up. So many restaurants to try. Las Vegas. Nightclubs, gambling, shows, buffets, the Bellagio Fountain. Sedona. Red rocks, blue sky, walks, crystal shops, vortices, New Orleans, jazz music. Creole and Cajun cuisine, the Garden District. Now some of these places you may have been to and some of them you may not have. And even if you haven't been to some of these places, I wouldn't be surprised if you still had an intuitive experience of them. Yeah, sure, maybe some of that is from other people's experiences that they've told you about or photographs. But there's also something deep within us that has a recognition of places. An intuitive understanding of whether or not somewhere is for us. Let's do one more round This time, let's go with our intuitive impression of people. Again, maybe you've met some of these people, maybe you haven't met any of them. And yes, you might have some sort of a thought about what you feel about these people, but again, what if you let yourself only have a feeling in your body? Take a moment to notice your breath again. Allow your inhales and your exhales to be long and slow. George Clooney. Reese Witherspoon. Adam Sandler. Snoop Dogg. Donald Trump. Barack Obama. What sense did you get? What experience did you have? Did one or more of those people feel like you were lit up in some way? Like you would enjoy sitting down and having lunch with them? Or did any of those people evoke feelings like fear or anger? It's not right or wrong. And it's not even necessarily who those people are. It's our intuitive sense about who they are and everyone's is different. So this is just a little bit of play and I hope you noticed something that was interesting to you. And if you've been working with your intuition for a long time, then keep practicing. But if this is new to you and you want to explore further one of my best recommendations is journaling because what comes out first nobody else is going to read it you say whatever you want to say what comes out first is probably whatever is most front of mind you're probably aware of some of that front of mind stuff anyway but as you keep writing you might find that your intuition starts taking more of a prominent role starts guiding you a little bit more giving you some more insight Another way to play is next time you go on a walk, let your intuition, let your feeling in your body tell you at each fork in the road, which way to go. Allow yourself to explore walking a different way, a new direction, or if you happen to be driving in a car and you're not going to a particular destination at a particular time, You can also do it in your car. Most of us have a GPS on our phone that will get you back home safely if you get yourself too tangled up and lost. (laughs) So let yourself play. See what you notice along the way. Maybe you get driven by a street with a name that has some sort of significance to you and all of a sudden you're realizing that you are more spoken to and guided by your intuition, your higher self, than you had any idea of. Or maybe you end up driving by a place or a house that feels like it has some sort of significance for you. Or maybe it had significance for you in the past. The thing about our logical, rational mind is it has no way of knowing anything other than the literal. And yet when we open ourselves up to letting our intuition be the guide, all of a sudden these magical things can happen that we didn't have any idea of and we didn't even know what the significance of them would be because we couldn't even guess. And life just becomes so much more fun that way. We trust ourselves more, meaning we trust the people that we love more, meaning we remind them to follow their own intuition. And all of a sudden, it's like we're playing a different game of life than the one that was boxed in, made of so many rules. So I hope you have fun with this. And I hope you learn and explore and find even deeper connections to yourself and your own being than you ever knew was possible. I'm sending you so much love.